Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Sacred Secrets Podcast, your safe space where we get to reconnect with ourselves and each other. Life is trying, ain't no doubt about it. At times we get knocked down, you may fall flat. Don't be ashamed, we all been through that. But we got you. As usual, our amazing co-host, the amazing Gem, the awesome Marianne, and the fabulous Kinshasa. This morning, our guest is the incomparable Amir Shahir, registered dietitian extraordinaire. Amir is here to talk and provide us with tools that can be used to improve our health. And guys, let's give a warm welcome to Amir. Before we even start, we have to give him his flowers before we dive in. Amir's personal and career path has been geared towards health and nutrition. Hailing from Ohio, he graduated from Ohio State University with a degree in human nutrition industry and a master's degree in applied nutrition and science from Logan University. Amir is also a registered dietitian who has worked in the field of nutrition and dietetics. Amir is currently working for the WIC program in the Department of Public Health in the state of Georgia, where he continues to utilize his skills and expertise to help a diverse population. So again, Amir, a warm welcome from the Sacred Secrets community. So Amir, I have to make this statement. So many of our diseases stem from our diet. What prompted you to enter a career in nutrition? Well, originally, when I enrolled in school at uh, Ohio State, I wanted to uh, major in business and something related to business. Yeah. So uh, I knew when I came in, I took a lot of science classes that were geared towards nutrition, which is necessary uh, to to receive a degree in nutrition. And so that's why I decided to go down the path of nutrition and industry. But by coincidence, once I graduated, uh, all the jobs that I were, were getting or being offered were all in the field of nutrition and health and science. And so I just followed the path. And I guess that's where the path took me into a, a career in field in nutrition. And I have to let um, Jim join in regards to just the profile that she shared with, with us about you this morning, Amir. Yes. So I would say Amir definitely lives his nutrition, um, his nutrition degree. He will, you know, walk up the stairs. I'm like, Amir, you're walking from the eighth floor to the 11th floor? Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the elevator <laughs> every time, you know, but, um, or like just his, the way in which he will, you know, bring a sensible lunch to work and not necessarily purchase um, fast food and things like that. And I, it's not like he preaches, but I think he definitely lives a healthful lifestyle and definitely practices um, movement when he can. So I think, and I think he's also, you've, you've been in some uh, marathons and, and things like that, Amir. I feel, I feel like you've said that to me. Yes, I'm an avid runner. Yes, so I do run in. Um, I have done some marathons, but currently I run in like 10Ks. I use I do about three to four 10Ks a year, and that requires yeah. a lot of training. 
and practicing throughout the year of running. So Amir, can I ask you this? What is it that, you know, what is it that prompts you to maintain this lifestyle or inspires you? Because so many of us ch are so challenged by that. What prompts me is, is uh, well, it's a lot of factors, you know, I just, one of the things just motivating to stay healthy. Um, a lot of things with genetics and family history, you know, I have a lot of relatives that have uh, a lot of diseases or health conditions that can be prevented uh, through by staying fit fit and eating right, uh, such as diabetes or, or heart problems, and even some of your cancers um, that can be uh, prevented through eating healthy and living a healthy lifestyle. So those are some things that are motivating to me, uh, just looking at just, just family history, seeing aunts, and uh, even uh, my great-grandmother affected by some of these diseases and um, that could be prevented just by living a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, Amir, it's the same challenges that I've been having as well because we're Jamaican. I know how it is with the black community. We tend to eat like very carb dense, not necessarily the best carbs, especially when you land on this mainland. Yeah, because yes, what's interesting, I was just sharing with the, the group, when I was in Jamaica, we had so much walking to do. You know, it's like you had um, the fruit trees, you had all these things, and then you get here, and the volume of food that's given for, like, such a cheap cost is what kind of leads you down this pathway towards obesity. So, again, obesity contributes to a lot of our illnesses as well. So, um even though you're saying that this is what has continued to motivate you, I find myself lacking in motivation as much as, you know, meant, you know, like psychologically, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing it. So are there any small changes that we can make that can be most impactful? Yes. I always try to, uh, when I start talking to people or people ask me advice or uh, diets or develop them a diet or nutrition plan. I always just recommend yeah. small changes. Uh, basically, I take what you eat and just try to find a healthy alternative, uh, such as a lot of mm -hmm. people may like rice. Why not try to switch to brown rice yeah. instead of the white rice? Uh, a lot of people may drink milk. Why not try to go to a low-fat or fat-free option or or try to get calcium and dairy from yogurt options without the added sugars yeah. or fruit. Um, and just things like that, or just find something simple. Uh, I'm not even, I'm not the <laughs> best of cook. Uh, frozen vegetables that you can put in a microwave will, will be very yeah. beneficial, such as broccoli or Brussels sprouts, things like that. Uh, just making just small changes, changing from fried yeah. meats to grilled meats or baked meats, things like that. And those are just just start things that you could start with and just build from yeah. there. You know, and you mentioned that change from fry to grill. I'm just like, man, that is challenging. Yes, that is challenging. But but now they have things such as air fryers looking into things like that. Um, that can yeah. provide a healthy way to cook and prepare meals. Um, if you are if you do choose to fry, try not to bread bread the meat or whatever. Try to do it without the bread. 
Yeah. And that can, that could be a healthy alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, just small steps. Yeah. To, small steps can make, have a big impact and make big changes into one's diet and nutrition. I like that. Was there at any time, at any time in your life that you struggled with, you know, the whole health and nutrition, diet, exercise? Uh, with exercising, no, not really, not any struggles. Uh, like I said, I always try to find things to keep me competitive, like signing up or paying for races. So once you pay your money, and you're that's a form of commitment. So that right there keeps me <laughs> exercising. But with diet, uh, uh, sometimes I have struggled, but sometimes I always try to find a way to get back. Uh, I always try to find time, like certain months, just set up certain initiatives. Like February, I give up sweets and sugars. Because um, sometimes, you know, it's Valentine's Day. A lot of people eat sweets and sugars and things like that. And then, so that right there is something that I try to do. Uh, in December, I usually give up meat. Just just find different, different uh, months and different times throughout the year to, you know, try to focus on my health and diet and nutrition also. Uh, but sometimes mm-hmm. I, I do, I do slack and may fall off with the diet and eating, but just find times where I can just go back and, and reflect. on it. And listen, Amir, you're talking and you're like, oh, I just give up sugar in February. And I'm like, I have, yeah, I it's <laughs> like, listen, I, w- I was doing vegan for like probably three months. I made the mistake to go to Jamaica for one month and the rest is history. I just started back on the meat eating, the bacon. It's just been a challenge. Amir, are there any like resources that say, for example, someone trying to get back in shape, falling off the wagon, can't get back? Any resources that you could recommend? Resources. Uh, it's a lot of resources out there. I mean, you can just, usually I recommend, you know, just the government resources such as the CDC or the USDA. Yeah. Those always have free tips available, and uh, and a lot of those things. Yeah. When you, once you go to those sites, they are backed by research. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know what I was wondering, Amir. Um, I was thinking that you know, so often you know, there's a psychological element to it as well, where people use food to self-soothe. They use food when they're stressed out. Do you have any advice for for folks who use food in this way um, to form another habit when they're going through certain stressors? It's a lot of new research based on that. Uh, food is has a major um, major impact on the psychological aspect and the mental aspect of people because food is used to bring people together. Food is used for comfort. Food is used for a lot of things. And a lot of times when people are dealing with psychological issues, they find themselves to be alone and they're eating alone. So no one is there to help or motivate them or guide them to provide them with help and advice to uh, change those types of eating habits and things like that. It's hard. It's hard to treat that because people you, you have to identify those people and then those people sometimes have to seek it or someone has to offer it. And a lot of times those people are isolated. But uh, what I recommend just for those people is just try to find other things for comfort, you know, like walking, reading, 
things like that. And instead of using food as emotional support um, and just maybe try to find other food options that you can eat. Um, some of those things are carried, can be carried down from generations, such as, you know, you have a bad day at school. Your parents say, OK, we're going to get some ice cream and things like that. So you associate that ice cream is with comfort when I have a bad day. Or cookies. Mm-hmm. Yes, or cookies, things like that. So so now you're growing up with that. You're associating with that. So now as you get older, you're eating those things to comfort you when you had a bad day at work uh-huh. or a bad day at school, things like that. So I guess it's just, just educating. Education is very important, and it starts off at the beginning. Yeah. I like how you talk about the fact that food can be used for so many different things. I think a lot of people also struggle with the fact that when they do use food to self-soothe, there's a lot of guilt that comes into doing that. And the reality is just from what you said is that that has been the purpose of food to come together to soothe and to do all of these different things. And, you know, it sounds like understanding what your triggers are and then figuring out a way to either um, not be alone when those triggers are happening or like ask for help when you notice those triggers um, and then not feeling guilty about it because that also causes like a cycle. Um, That makes a lot of sense. And I think keeping people in your community, Mm -hmm. that will probably bring you the opposite of what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. Because no, I'm I'm queen of, hey, Marianne, could you get me some ice cream? (laughs) Or could you get me a spice? Or you're the queen of, you know what? I just stopped by Paris Baguette. Do you want a cronut? (laughs) No, or I show up at your door with the cronut. This is true. (laughs) Changing environments. The cronuts are really good though. And what I'm finding is, it's almost as I was reading something once that they talked about, like they did an experiment with rats that they fed the rats either cocaine or sugar. And they talked about like when the ultimate options was provided, the rats actually preferred the sugar over the crack. So it was just this experiment to demonstrate how addictive sugar is. And I do believe it's addictive. It is. Yeah. It is. It, it it affects your. It does affect your brain and your dopamine receptors. It does. It does have an impact on that mm-hmm. sugar, and then and then also as uh, humans, we're sugar and meat are two different are two things that's um, that's hard to break from. And then when you break from it, and then like you said, you were a vegan for three months, but once you taste meat, your body's going to start craving it again. Oh, yes, it sure did. And America stopped. This is since November of last year. No, go ahead. I interrupted you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, so our body naturally craves those things, and they do have an impact on our on our mind, meats mm-hmm. and, uh, and sugar. I know it's funny, like, for the few days, because I'm not sure if you guys have read that they're now going to be creating lab meat. Everything was approved. Yeah, from like animal cells, you're kind of cultivating this in the lab. And I'm like, you know what? It's time to start transitioning again because it's just ridiculous that you don't know what you're going to eat in in the next few years to come. That's true. That's true. And what's interesting for the past three days, you know, the whole thing of 
again, you have to make a decision. You see, like how Amir, you spoke about, I made a decision to stop eating sugar. I'm trying to keep my word to myself. And that's what this whole, you know, healthy journey or this transition is, or this new start is where I'm like, you know, when you give yourself health, it's really about self-care and it's about self-love and it's about self-prioritizing. So like today, I have to tell you, I was passing by the machines at work and I kept on looking in on it and I'm like, you better turn your butt around. And that's what I did. But more important, I realized that I have to plan accordingly or else, you know, the temptation becomes a little bit more, especially when you're just starting. You have to be mindful of this. Correct. Correct. Yeah, starting is, is difficult. And then once you begin to start and keep going, eventually the goal is to develop it into a habit. Yeah. That's the main thing is to create a, a habit. And what's crazy is how it really walk because it's like the food. If you're watching TV or you're scrolling, there's always something about food that's triggering. Because I'll get up from a scroll and be like, oh, I need to make some tiramisu. And I'm like, yeah, you just watch like three different things about tiramisu. So everything is like, you know, such an unhealthy prompt for you to divulge or head off the direction that you'd rather not. Yeah, yeah, marketing is, yeah, they know how to target you. It seems like they know what you're thinking and know how to target They sure do. And listen, I'm there. I'm the worst because I'm always searching for recipes. So you know exactly how to target me. <laughs> yeah. Something I like about what you said in, is in terms of like not having people like switch out everything that they eat. The reason why I like that is because I read an article like a few weeks ago that talked about the fact that the, the, the food that you eat as indigenous to you or that you grew up eating, not everything about it is um, negative or unhealthy. And they talked about like black rice from Haiti. They use mushrooms to make that rice and stuff like that. And so it's not that you're saying that they have to give up everything or that everything that they eat is unhealthy. It's just that you have to like change certain things, do certain replacements that are a little bit healthier. Correct. Correct. Because if someone comes to me and I change up everything that they're eating, then that's going to be discouraging. And then they're not going to be, they don't want to be involved in it anymore. And they're not going to do it. So, so you just have to find just certain things and then ask them what, what's some things that you would like to replace or may not want to replace or keep. Cause, cause we have to remember, we do have to eat food provides energy and uh, strength for our body. So if we do have to eat and we have to, to live so we just have to remember that yeah i do like that because it's not extreme and connection to your culture yeah absolutely so you know replacing every single thing it's like you're disconnecting them from what they know and i imagine that makes it that much harder to do as well correct and i do love the whole concept of needing the client where they are and as you said it doesn't come off as judgmental it just comes off as okay we're transitioning you to something yeah. Yeah. It's like a true partnership. Mm-hmm. Amir, what's the most satisfying part of your work? Uh, the most satisfying part of my job is just helping a diverse group of people, uh, helping a lot of people that uh, don't have the resources. Um, and and as a dietitian, a lot of these people are low-income people. Uh, if, if I went into the private sector, I'd be charging $75 an hour. 
and they have this resource available for them that's uh that's yeah basically for free <laughs> so i mean yeah this service that's available and uh so that's that's yeah. very satisfying just helping people educating people and providing them with knowledge to be healthy uh the most difficult part is yeah people uh being non-compliant something as simple as giving up sodas <laughs> i mean it may not be simple but i mean but it's other things you can drink and i provide them with other things that they can drink so i i never tell people to give up something or or well i never really tell people to give up something i may tell them to limit it and then provide them with other things they can put in place with it instead of it so so even like if you're drinking 32 ounces or four cups of sodas a day. Sometimes I may recommend cut down to two and then find other alternatives. And on that note, what's an alternative to soda? Because I mean, Jem did mention off record that she does like her soda once in a while. <laughs> well, well, I mean, every once in a while, I always tell people to try to do things in moderation, but other things could be tea, uh, fresh fruit, and then you have the, the carbonated sodas without the sugar and things like that. Those are available. I mean, those sometimes can yeah. be an acquired taste, but those are other options. And as you said, it's the acquired taste while you're kind of transitioning. Because recently I found that I have to surround myself with like fruits or vegetables. Because again, if not, I kind of find myself down the familiar pathway of my culture which is, again, the carb-heavy, meat-heavy type of eating. So recently, I'm like, you know what? Just get excited and just become obsessed with different foods and trying out different things. So I actually got, I think it's lychee that they say. I, I mean, I've gotten it like years ago. And recently, I went to the Asian market, and they had such a great assortment of fruits. So I actually brought a few, bought a few just to, you know, try and, kind of started exploring a whole new world, which is so vast when it comes to fruits and vegetables. So we'll see. I'm trying to keep myself like excited about this. I'm hoping to be the, the next chapter of finally heading into a lifestyle of health and fitness. Well, it seems like you're taking a lot of good steps towards that. I'm Aaron. It's, it's my whole day three. It's, it's still a start. <laughs> I came in this morning. <laughs> and I mean, I got to be honest, I came in this morning and I was trying hard to, to stay away from that fried fish. But the fried fish won this morning. I'm here at one. But I'm like, there's always tomorrow. I just wanted to say that something I learned in high school was about seasonal. And that food is seasonal or... Um, sometimes celebratory, but when it comes out of the hands of the people that created the food, it can be different. And what do I mean by this? In high school, I had a friend, her name was Peng, she was Chinese, yeah. and she grew and lived a traditional Chinese life. So I often I would go to her home because she would watch her two brothers, the, the younger brothers, she would watch them um, after school and she would prepare, yeah. you know, me, like an after school meal for them. And it was never anything packaged. She would always make like a broth-based kind of soup type of thing. They would eat rice and they would... So after a few weeks of this, finally I said to her, I'm like, Peng, 
Um, what about the yeah. food, like the Chinese food that you get at a Chinese restaurant? Like, wh- why aren't you making that? <laughs> and she looked mm-hmm. at me and she was like, girl, that's New Year's food. That's holiday food. That's, oh, I was like, oh, <laughs> so this is what I mean when I say the, the food that we're eating at the Chinese restaurant, like on any given day, is not necessarily everyday food. Yes, we have access to it, availability, and we're like buying it any given Thursday or, you know, meanwhile, when I saw it, you know, just visiting with her after school, I didn't visit every day, but most of the times, you know, we'd visit and I would visit her rather, and I'm seeing her making these meals and it's simple. It's like broth, some dumplings, maybe rice. And that was the staple. Meanwhile, the, the Chinese food, that's like, Holiday food is not everyday food. And this is why, because I said to myself, I always thought to myself, oh, if we're eating this every day, I would be, you know, my my numbers would be crazy, but they're not eating it every day. And I learned that from, you know, my friend and just experiencing it. I thought that was very good about the seasonal um, nature of food or just not trying to have it every day, you know? No, I agree with you, Jim, because while you were talking, I just remember like in Jamaica as well, Sundays when everybody did the big cooking, like with the red meats, we didn't eat red meat every day. It was always designated to at least one day for the week. It's affordable here and we could pretend to exactly. out of our culture and eat it all the time, right? Yep. Well, I just want to just say a couple of things, some healthy notes, just uh, just encourage people to, to follow up with your physician. Um get your labs done so then you just know where you're at in terms of like your blood sugars and your levels in terms of your vitamin d and your uh, a1c and your blood pressure that's very important also um pay attention to your family and your family genetics that's very important genetics play a lot of play a main factor and role into your health and so always pay attention to that that's very important and know it and if you don't know it, try to research and find as much as you can about your family uh, genes and genetics and health as it relates to their health. And uh, also get sunlight. Sunlight is very important. Uh, that's always very important. And uh, just some healthy food tips. Non-starchy vegetables are always good. And those can be spinach, broccoli, cauliflower, carrot, squash, eggplant, asparagus, peppers, and tomatoes. Those right there, you can always load up your plate on that and mix it in with food, too. Uh, so that's just just some of the healthy things I just want to mention and give out. Th- those are some great points, Amir. But Amir, we just want to tell you, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your knowledge. We really appreciate your time. And being our first guest. <laughs> Yay! I want to thank you again for having me, and I appreciate it. Our pleasure. For having me as the first guest. Yes! <laughs> Our sacred secret first guest, Amir. So on that note, as we always say in our sacred secrets community, we got you back.